Shalom everybody, today we are learning Shaftim Perak Zion. In today's Perak, we're going to start the battle that Gideon has with the Minyanim. First, we're going to see how Kaddish Baruch is going to select the soldiers, the people who are going to stay for the battle. And then we're going to see the end of the Perak is going to describe the beginning of the battle, the beginning of the nace. Let's see Perak Zion. Pasuk Alpha, Yashkim, Yerol, Hu, Gideon, Cholam, Asher, Ita, Yachin, Ha'alein, Charedo, Machin, Midian, Ha'alein, Mitzafim, Nigilas, Ha'amera, Ba'emek. The Perak starts off. That Yerubal got up, and like we saw in the last parak, Gideon was named Yerubal by his father, and all the nation gathered with Yerubal. By Yerushalayim, Gideon Hashem tells Gideon, "Rava, Amai Shaitoch, Mitidias Midian biyadam." Hakadosh Baruch tells Gideon that you have too many people with you. Like we're going to see in the second that he had over thirty-five thousand soldiers with him. So Hakadosh Baruch tells Gideon that even though generally we have seen in the past through Parakim and Yeshua as well, that when Hakadosh Baruch performs a nace, he does it through Derech Atava. He prefers to do it through Derech Atava, not to perform. Nisim Galim. However, in this story, we're going to see going to see that Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants to make a nace gully, a revealed nace, like as the pasuk is going to tell us that Klaisol sees very clear that it wasn't their strength that won the war; rather, it was from the help of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Like the pasuk continues, Penis Barla Yisraelim Because if not, if the entirety of Klaisol, these 35,000 soldiers, go up against the Midianim, they're going to say that it was they were successful, but it wasn't from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Even though technically thirty-five thousand against the Midianim have over one hundred thirty thousand, still they will be able to say that it was wasn't through a nace. That's what Hashem says. Let's have a much smaller army fight against the, the Midianim, and then it'll be clear that it was done through an ace. Pots of Gimel. So first, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Gidain, call out to the nation, tell, tell them, whoever is Yari Bechard, whoever is afraid, whoever is scared, they should go back, they should retreat. So that taka, that's what happens. 22,000 soldiers leave, and says the pastor continues, there were still 10,000 people left. So I'm sorry, in the beginning, there weren't 35,000, there were 32,000 in the beginning. So now we have 10,000 left, because 22,000 people left, because they were afraid. So Hashem says, 10,000 is still too much. Take them all down to the river and have them all drink the water. And Hashem says to Gideon, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show you a sign who's going to come with you and who should stay behind. Anybody who bows down to drink like a dog, laps up the water like a dog, or they bow down to drink from the water, you're going to send them back. There were only 300 men who actually took the water with their hands, but didn't bow down. The rest of the nation, they bowed down to get the water. And as the Rabag, the Rodak, they explained, the Pashup Shad is, Rashiver as well, brings down that the reason why the people who bow down, they are not befitting to go into war is because, like Rashi says, the assumption was that they, the people who bowed down, it was clear they were used to bowing down in front of the Vedazar, and that's why they were not allowed to come, even though, even though the Mepharshim speak out that technically they probably did Shuvah, because like we saw before, that everybody was afraid from going out to battle, they already returned, so why were these people left? So the Mepharshim said, even though they did Shuvah, but here, Hashem said, we need Tzadikim, who didn't do the Aver of Vedazar at all, and that's why Hashem sent them back. The Malbim offers another interesting shot, the reason why, the people who bent down to get the water, they didn't take up the water with their hands. They bent down, they licked up the water. He says another reason why they weren't supposed to go to war is because it expresses a certain desire that a person is such a strong taiva that he can't control himself and he just jumps into the water to drink so quickly and he can't wait a minute to bring the water to him. Again, you just see the importance of Derech Heretz not drinking directly from the bowl. Definitely an important Indian, important midah of Derech Heretz. Pasuk Zayin. The three hundred men 
that are remaining with you, I'm going to save you. Everybody else return to their place. And then the practice will come back to this, but you see this open nation that Kodesh Prakul has, just 300 men left, and they're going to fight against them. They returned the people who weren't supposed to go out to battle, they went back, they took their shafers with them, so we're going to see everybody's going to have a shafer in their hand. And the Midianim were in the valley below. Go fight against Midian, you're going to be successful. Shem Tal is getting, if you're afraid to go down now, go down with your helper, go down to the camp and see what they're saying. So Shem Tal is getting, go down, listen to, what, listen to what they're saying in the camp by the Midianim, and then you'll see that you're going to be successful. So Gideon goes down with his helper, with his assistant, he goes down to the edge of the camp. Pasuk describes how there were so many camels, or so many animals, that the Midianim were incredibly strong, a very powerful army. So Gideon comes to the edge of the camp and he hears that one of the Binyanim is ter- telling his friend, repeating to his friend the dream that he had. I had a dream What happened was that a piece of barley, a piece of bread came down from Shemayim, fell down, knocked down the tent, and that was the dream. So as Rashi ever explains, the significance of the dream was that this event happened around Pesach time, and the barley, the bread represented the Eimer, which is brought on, on Pesach, and that Gideon understood, and that's how would be saved from the Yadim. Some say for actually has a very beautiful Pshat in his Joshua, so he explains what is the connection between one and the other, so he explains that he, based on the Taisis, that the halacha is that when Klai Yisrael is under the rulership of the non-Jews, when the non-Jews ha- have control, they are potter from Chal, they are potter from these carbonates. So therefore, from the fact that, that Gideon saw that they are now going to bring the carbon again, they are going to bring the Eimer, he Gideon recognized that they are going to be successful. So the person interpreted the dream, he turns back to his friend and says, this must be representing Gideon. And HaKadosh Baruch has given over the entire camp, the Midianim, when Gideon heard the dream and the interpretation, he bowed them to the ground. And he went back to the camp and he recognized that he was going to be successful because he gave them over in battle. So Gideon splits up the camp. He had 300 men with him. He split them up into three groups. So he split them up into three groups. He gave each one of them a shayfar, and he gave each one a kada jug. And inside the jug, he put these for, he put these candles, these flames that they're going to take out. So it's a sudden, it'll be a surprise attack. Meaning they're going to light the flames, they're going to put them in the jugs, and all of a sudden they're going to take them out. The jugs will see are going to pop, and all of a sudden they're going to see the flames, and it's going, they're going to be very scared. Pasukidzai, vayemarleimi many tiru v'chein tasei. The Gideon tells the soldiers, "Watch me, follow what I do." Whatever I do, you should follow. Copy me. Pasukidzai. You're going to follow me, listen to what I say, we're going to surround the camp on three sides, we'll come back to this, why are they only surrounded on three sides, and you should scream out, So Gideon goes with 100 men in the north of him, the edge of the camp, it was right in the middle of the night where they were changing the guard, they didn't, they didn't even get a chance to set up the new guard, the, the jugs broke, and the jugs were there, and they broke, and now, so now the, the, the fires are revealed, the flames that the soldiers were holding, now they, they were able to see them, and they got very scared, everybody blew their shifers, the, the, the jugs broke, they held the torches in the left hand, and the right hand, they had the shifers, let's cut it to blow, they called out, everybody was afraid, 
And they started running away. The Midianim were frightened. They were so shocked. They were middle of sleeping. They get woken up. All of a sudden, they see these 300 men approaching them with these torches, and they assumed that they already infiltrated their camps. And that's why they got confused. They thought that Gideon and the soldiers, the Jewish soldiers, were already amongst them. So that's why they started killing each other. They didn't recognize that they didn't infiltrate. Yeah, and that's why they started running away. They were so scared. Again, such an incredible nature where that the second don't even don't even say that Clyde saw the 300 men had any weapons. They didn't have any weapons. They just had these torches, these shifers, and through that they were successful in the war. Again, because the Kodesh Baruch was on their side. Pasuk of Gilmayetzik Ishi Shalom and Avtalim and Asher and Kolman Asher Vitro Acher Midian. So they called out to the Jews. Called out and I've tried to ask from Nash to come help them to chase him down and Allah himself get in the car fine labor would you look at video look to the limits of my base bar that's yard and it's a call is your friend look at this my base bar that's yard and again a friend came along to help them with the to help them with the battle chase on Lil Kadush sorry Midian that's Irvis Ave they captured these two leaders Irvin's Ave Argus Irvis Ave Hargo Bear Yakim's Ave they killed both them very to fall Midian they chased him to Eden Varish Irvis Ave Avil Gideon Ave Ayard and they brought the heads of Irvin's Ave back to Gideon Ave Ayard so again we start off the pack over here the pack described the battle of Gideon, we're going to see in the next two, three parakim. We're also going to continue with the discussion of Gideon and his battles. Just two quick insights on the parak that we just saw. If you go back, let's go back to Pasuk Tazayin, where the Pasuk describes how Gideon splits up the camps. So Gideon split them up into three different camps of 100. And the mom over there points out, Shechitites from the Gimel Reishim says, says the mom loved the Gimel Ruches, that he wanted to surround them on three sides, and he did not want to surround them on all four sides. So what exactly is the shot? Why did Gideon only surround them on three sides? Why did he want to surround them on four sides? So this is where the Rishayim point out, the, the Ramban, in his Sefer Mitzvahs, we'll see the Ramban at the end of Sefer Mitzvahs where he's commenting on the Rambam. So the Ramban counts a few Mitzvahs that the Rambam forgot. So the fifth Mitzvah that the Ramban counts, Mitzvah say, Hey, according to Ramban, says Ramban Mitzvah, that the Allah is that when Klai Yisrael fights a battle against an enemy, the Allah is have to leave one side so that they can escape. Says Ramban, an extremely important yisrael, which we'll see the Chinuch points this out even more openly, even more explicitly, that Klai when they go out to war, even when we're going out to battles against our enemies, still we have to have Rachmanis. One of the signature midas of, of the Jews is that we're Rachmanim, that we have Rachmanis, and therefore when we go into battle against our enemies, we give them the option of running away, we give them the option of escaping. And that's why we only attack from three sides, because if they want to run away, We'll leave a fourth side open. The, the Rambam points out that the Rambam himself does count this. He does bring this halacha down. The Rambam just doesn't count this as a separate mitzvah. The Rambam is just pointing out that he thinks that this is a separate mitzvah. If you take a look at the Chinuch, mitzvah tough kuf chav zayin. So the Chinuch over there is discussing all the rules of war that Klai has to keep to when they fight against their enemies. The Chinuch over there is discussing different dinah, which apply some to some to mitzvah, some to mechavis He starts by saying that technically when Klai goes out to war, first they have to offer a peace treaty. They have to tell them that if you want to accept that we will rule over you, we're going to put a tax on you, then the halach is that Klai is not all fight against them. They have to actually give them a peace treaty first. And explains the chenuch what is the pshat, and then again one of the halachas that he brings down in mitzvah tafkuch of zayin that mitzvah is that we have to leave one side open, we have to leave one side so that they run away. It says the chenuch misharshay mitzvah lefisha midas harachmanis he mida tayva the mida harachmanis the mida having mercy an extremely important mida v'roi lanu zera kodesh is naigba b'chol yonenu and it's befitting it is proper that Klai Yisrael comes from the Avais who come, come from the Avais who are tremendous Rachmanis we have to follow their ways even if we're fighting against their enemies we have to continue with the Midah of Rachmanis not necessarily because they're befitting because they're fit to have to have Chesed done to them because sometimes our enemies could be terrible people but still we have to take the high route we have to take the high route and act in a way of Rachmanis 
act in a way of chesed. Definitely just something to keep in mind that we, as Yidin, also have a set of rules, have a set of specific guidelines when we go out to war, how we're supposed to, how we're supposed to conduct ourselves, how we're supposed to act. There's another beautiful vart, actually, and again, to this Nakuda about wartime that Rabbi Yerucham, the Mashkech of Mir, pointed out in our parak, as well in Parshas, Kisesa, he's discussing that every army in the world, they have their own mission statement. They have their own slogan. When they go out to war, this is the principles that they're going to follow. You know, and it's interesting. Some armies have that we will always fight together. We will fight through cruelty. We stand together. Different mottos that different armies set, different arm, that different armies have. And Rabbi Yocham explains that what's Klai Yisrael's motto? What's our slogan? So he says that the Jewish slogan, the Jewish armies, their slogan is, that we know that our enemies, they could have horses, they could have all different types of tools to fight against us. However, we have HaKadosh Baruch we have Hashem on our side. And that's what the Mephoshim point out. In our pack, we see this very clearly that there's only 300 people left. And who are these 300 people? Not necessarily the greatest warriors, not necessarily the strongest people. These are just the people who are tzaddik moray to fight against Hashem. There's an important story, a famous story, which is said about the Maskilim in the 1800s, in the early 1900s, I'm sorry, that they were trying to make fun of what a Jewish war used to look like. So they put on a play, they put on an entire production describing how you know, this scene where you have thousands of Jewish soldiers getting ready to fight against these huge armies and they send back all the people who don't have errors. They send all the people who are afraid. And the only people who are left are two people. They have two of these long, these old people with long beards. Those are the two people left to fight against the enemies. And they end the play. That's how the scene ends. So when they told, they repeat this over to Baruch Bar, when they repeat, us, they're in the, repeat this story over to some of the Gedalim, the Gedalim laughed and they said, see, they think that they're making fun of us. However, that's really exactly how it happened. That's exactly how it would go. And the problem is that they didn't end off the story. At the end of the story, was they have to do the next scene. The next scene was that these two these two people in long white beards, they ended up destroying the entire enemy. Because again, our belief is that we have HaKadosh Baruch on our side and when we're going to battle with HaKadosh Baruch on our side, we will be successful no matter what. Just moving all the way to the end of the parak, there's an interesting insight from the Meshach Chachma that the Ramah brings down in Hachos Shaifar and Hachos Hashanah in Simon Tafkuf Pehei, the table that's kind of a person should blow with the right side. So the way the Mishnah understands, that means that Tzadimin shall piv, that you should blow on the right side of your mouth, and it brings on a pasuk because the satan v'satan emal yaminai. That's why you should blow with the right side. So if you take a look at the biralach over there, the chafetz chaim brings down that here from Rameir Simcha, here from the Arsameach, that the makar for this halacha is because the Gemara Rosh Hashanah tells us that we blow the shayfer, and the Gemara brings a makar from this parak in shayfer over here, from this parak, from this pasuk which we saw that the, that the soldiers held on to the shayfer, and the pasuk brings down that they held them in their right hand. So therefore, says the chafetz chaim, we see the makar. This is the source for the Ramat to say that you should hold the shayfer on the right. Side. Now, the Rav Tifei Safari just pointed out that Lachar, it's not necessarily a proof that they should blow on the right side of their mouth. Lachar, it's just a proof that they should hold in the right hand. But definitely interesting that the Bir Alacha quotes from Samcha that the proof comes from our parak that you should have the Shaifar either on the right side, either holding it on the right hand, or blowing at the right side of your mouth. It's interesting that the, Shal, the Sefer Shal Rav, which brings down this story, brings down in a, in a, in a note over there, that the Chavetz Chaim in general didn't quote contemporaries, didn't quote people who lived during his time. So he points out, it's very interesting that why, why did the Mishnah Bura specifically quote the Arsameach of Why did he quote him? So he wants to suggest, he brings down, if anybody has any more details, any other parts of the story we'd love to hear, he suggests that there was a certain story, there's a certain incident that there's a certain gazer against Klyasol that the non-Jews wanted the Jews to learn secular subjects, secular topics in school. And apparently the Arsameach, Rameir Simcha said that B'Shasat Chak will have to do it. And the Chavetz Chaim apparently vehemently disagreed. And the Adam HaChlaikis, Rameir Simcha, and the Chavetz Chaim. So the Chavetz Chaim specifically quoted the Arsameach over here in the Bi'alacha to show that even though they fought over this issue, still it wasn't that they were against each other, they had nothing personal against each other. And of course, they're still machs of each other. Again, the beauty of true Tamit are not fighting with personal agendas, personal interests. 
they are fighting for the sake of Torah, and of course, they can still be best of friends, they can still be machshu each other, and that's why the Chavetz Chaim is quoting their Samech over here. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.